Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Do you have the message version, Josh? Okay, let's do the message version. Today I'm going to be talking about what I call rhythm of grace, the rhythm of grace. 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 Eddie, it's good to see you, man. Yeah. The rhythm of grace. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to verse 30. We're going to start from there. The Bible says, are you tired? Worn out? burned out on religion somebody say religion who can define to me or who has an idea of what religion is anyway to save time religion is the attempt to reach god without christ that's my simple definition (laughs) of what religion is all about religion is what an attempt to reach god without christ religion is an attempt to please god without Christ. Religion is an attempt to be loved by God or to be accepted by God without Christ. That is religion. Religion is the man-made way to, to reach out to God. Okay, And I chose this topic last week actually when I was preparing for the service on Sunday And I was talking about the different ways that the Holy Spirit leads the believer. And I pointed out to you that one of the ways that you are led by the Holy Spirit or the major way is by the word of God. Do you remember? Okay, then we also said that the Holy Spirit will also speak to your spirit. Because the Bible says that the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. Do you remember that scripture in Proverbs chapter 20? That the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. So your spirit is alive to God. And because your spirit is alive to God, your spirit will pick out the things of the spirit of God. Uh, It is easy for the regenerated spirit to know what the mind of the spirit is saying. Because your spirit is alive to God. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are children of God or that you are sons of God. So if the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, it means your spirit is in tune with the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so, and we talked about other ways possibly that the Holy Spirit can lead. We we mentioned um, dreams, visions, and revelations. It is true today that the Holy Spirit leads by dreams and by visions and by revelations. But I said on Sunday that we must put a check to the leading of or to directions from dreams and visions and revelations. And the way we put a check is by looking at the word of God. If your dream is in line with the word of God, then you can be sure that the Holy Spirit is leading you in that direction. Uh, If your revelations or if your visions, open visions are in line with the word of God, you can uh, be sure that that's what God is saying. But you cannot put your full weight all the time on dreams, visions, and revelations. However, the Bible says in Joel 
that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh that sons and daughters will prophesy. Then it goes on to say that old men will what? Dream dreams. Then the young men will what? See visions. Okay, so dreams and visions are a part of how the Holy Spirit will work in the believer today. And there is nothing wrong about that. But when you begin to mature in the things of God, you will come to see that sometimes your dreams are a figment of your imagination. You can think about something for the whole day and when you fall asleep, you are actually dreaming about what your mind has been pondering over. So a safe guide is for you to allow the word of God be the basic check for you. Praise God. Then we also talked about feelings, 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 your emotions. Your emotions are very key. God leads you through your emotions because if you see some of the fruits of the spirit, righteousness, uh, if you see some of the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, love is an emotion, right? Peace is an emotion. Joy is an emotion. So God can actually lead you through those emotions. But those emotions are holy emotions. They're not just ordinary emotions. It's not just um, ordinary peace. That's why Jesus would say stuff like this, that the peace that I give to you is not what? Talk to me, somebody. It's not the one that the world gives. Uh, the, the joy that you have of the Holy Spirit is not the kind of joy that the world will offer you. The, uh, the joy, the natural kind of joy, is a joy you receive when something happens. It's a joy that is stead from evoking something from the external. But the joy of the Holy Spirit is the one that comes from within you. And, and a lot of believers actually lack that joy. A lot of believers are not in that place of joy. So many believers are not happy. I was ministering in Kano on Sunday, uh, last Sunday. And I told them, because of all the things that had happened in Kano, you know, I, I, we could sense that the uh, congregation was a bit cold. We could sense that people had been beaten and battered by the happenings of life. And some of their shops were burned down, you know. Uh, some of, their, some of their, their cars were burned down. We had a number of, uh, Bishop, you were there. We, we had a number of people who came and testified that God saved their cars from being burnt. You know, so a lot of people had gone through things in the last few days. And when I held the microphone to preach, there was absolute coldness. You know, I, I could feel that the spirits of people were cold. So sometimes what you go through affects your countenance. It affects how you feel, right? And the joy that the world gives is the one that comes when the external, when things or happenings are evoked and then you are happy. But the joy of the Holy Spirit is the one that comes from within. I prefer that joy. Amen? Amen. It's better for the believer to have, um, to, to be able to find and uh, you can deliberately reach out for that joy. You can deliberately reach out for that peace at will. It's so important. So that when you are down, you know what to do. You're not without help. You're not without assistance. You, you know how to go about it. Praise the Lord, somebody. All right? So, um, we spoke about feelings, how that your feelings are not a safe guide to be led by the Holy Spirit or to, to judge the accuracy of leading. We spoke about that. And while I was preparing for that message, God gave me this message to share with you today. And I feel, I, I believe that you will be blessed by this message today. Amen. So God gave me this and I called it the rhythm of grace. But before I talk about the rhythm of grace, let me consolidate by saying that um, your feelings, your feelings are not really a safe guide to ensure and to decipher the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
but God will use your feelings from time to time. So if you are the type that is driven to make statements like this, I am led. You are led because you are angry. You are led because you are afraid. You are led because you are not peaceful. You are led because you are in doubt. So whenever you are having those feelings or those extreme feelings, uh, then you come out to say, the Holy Spirit is leading me. That's not the Holy Spirit leading you. Sometimes you have to step back and put a check to what you feel and, and to how the Holy Spirit is going to direct you. Praise God. Um, for example, for example, someone is in church with you and you have a quarrel with a sister in church and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit now tells you it's time to leave the church. I've seen that a lot of times as a pastor. Pastor, I'm led to leave. What happened? The Spirit of God ministered to me last night to leave the church. Now, if you check, there is a, there is a connection to that conversation. She just had a misunderstanding or a quarrel. Or someone said something about her that she found out. Or someone said something about him that he found out. So, you see, many of us, we, we base our I am led to by what has happened to us or by what we feel. So, you see, you must be able to put your life in the balance so that you are not led by feelings. Can we say this with me? I'm not led by feelings, but I'm led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by what? And not by sight. You know, this is easier said than done. Okay, so today I'm going to talk to you about the rhythm of grace. And the idea behind this message is so simple. There is no pastor. Please hear this. There is no pastor, there is no bishop, there is no um, man of God who has come to the climax of his walk with God that sometimes wouldn't miss this, that sometimes wouldn't um, cross path between the rhythm of grace and the rhythm of life. The rhythm of grace and the rhythm of life. So when I say the rhythm of grace, I'm saying there is a rhythm to which you should respond to life. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. That there is a rhythm to which you should respond to life. There is a rhythm to which you should follow things. There is a rhythm to which you should respond. You should live. Firstly, the Bible says, in him we live. Acts 17 verse 28, if I'm not wrong. Uh, help me check. We'll come back to Matthew 11 verse 28. Acts chapter 17 verse, let's see verse, verse 28. Acts 17, 28. Uh, fantastic. It says, we live and move in him, can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well, where the God created. Did you like that? Okay, the King James Version, please. <laughs> King James Version, please. It says, for in him we live and move. Let's read the scripture together, everybody. Want to go? For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Say this with me, I am the offspring of God. Now the Bible says that in him you live, in him you move, and in him you have your being. So what that means is, because your life is hidden Christ, everything that you do is within the rhythm of the one you are living in. Talk to me somebody. Am I losing you guys? The way all of you are looking at me. Are we together today? Okay, fantastic. So, you are living in him. The, the pace of your life, the speed of your life is determined by the one you are living in. It's determined by the one you are in. 
So, for example, if you are taking a flight from Kano to Lagos, for example, and you are already airborne, the plane is already heading for its destination, regardless of how you move in the plane, regardless of where, what direction you move to from the front seat to the back, maybe to the restroom, regardless of your backward movement at that time, you are still moving forward. Why? Because you are in the plane even though you are moving back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because in him you live and in him you what? Move. In him you move. It is him who is moving you. So there is the pace for the one you are in. There is, there is the way to respond by the one you are in. That's why Paul says that the life that I live is no longer I who lives, but it is what? Christ that lives through me. So please say this with me. It is Christ who lives through me. I'm going to teach you how to switch parts from the rhythm of life to the rhythm of grace. Because a lot of people are living life forgetting that they are in him. A lot of people are living life not realizing that they are in Christ who orders their life or who orders the way they move and the way they live. The way you respond. Okay? So in him you live, in him you move, and in him you have your being. So back to Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30. The message version. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Praise God. This is God talking to you. He's going to show us how to take real rest. How many of you want to step into rest in your life? Lift your hands, wave it if, if, if that's your portion. You want that? Amen. He's saying that I'm going to show you how to take a real rest. Next verse. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So that's where I got the theme from. The rhythm of grace. He says watch. Somebody say watch. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced. So I like the word unforced there. The word unforced there means that you are not trying to unforce it. Now, can I say this? You cannot, you cannot psych yourself into peace. <laughs> you can't. You can't psych yourself into joy. You can't willpower yourself into joy. I will be happy. Then willpower yourself into joy. No. There is, there, is, there is the rhythm of grace that comes with how you come into joy, how you connect to peace. Praise God. And can I teach you that? Because oftentimes, I've realized that while I live, while I do things, I, I, I come to see that sometimes I'm really resting, and other times I'm working, I'm working in ways that I know the Holy Spirit is not aiding I can tell that there is a struggle. I can tell there is a fussing somewhere. There is, there, is a, there is so much of the exertion of my will to make something happen. Now, if you see from the beginning, God never told Adam. God never told Adam to toil. No, but he told Adam to work. And there is a difference between working and toiling. Let me go back to, okay, let's finish this and then I'll go back to verse 28. Let's finish this. Move to verse 30. Keep company with me and you will learn how to live freely 
unlikely. There are so many punchlines here with the message version. You know, um, uh, one of the punchlines for me is I, I, I have to learn how to leave what? Freely and what? Lightly. You know, sometimes a lot of us believers were so heavy and we're heavy with many stuff that we're carrying that we shouldn't be carrying. Things that the Holy Spirit ought to help us carry. Things that it's not your business to carry. Thoughts and fears that it's not your business to carry. Praise God. So, back to verse, verse 28. Back to verse 28. It says, are you tired, worn out? Because sometimes we all get to breaking point. Amen. Amen. You know what breaking point is? Breaking point is where everything just scatters. Where something small can unravel or unleash something you have been managing for years. And it scatters, you see. And then when you're trying to connect what happened with the reaction, there is no correlation between that response and what really happened. And that's because the person has gotten to breaking point. It's just like when they say, they use that, that phrase that the straw that breaks the camel's back. The camel's back is really a hard back to break. And a straw is a light thing. I mean, you don't use a straw. How can you use, for how long would you use a straw to break a camel's back? How many years will pass? How many years will pass? Maybe a hundred years. But, but you see, something else must have happened to the camel and the camel is probably just hanging in the line just hanging in the line. And when you take a little straw and just put it, everything scatters. So that's why they say the straw that breaks the camel's back. Some of us, we get to breaking point and we don't know how to manage the pressures. We don't know how to manage breaking point. And I'm going to show you today how that we must be in the rhythm of grace. If I let's say that together again, the rhythm of grace. Staying at the subject of religion. Religion is your attempt to find in God. It is your attempt to wanting God to be happy with you. You try to do everything just because you feel God is always angry at you. That's religion. So you are in that pursuit of God to please God. If you don't read your Bible, there is, some, there is condemnation that stares at your face to say you haven't read your Bible today. Let me show you the real response of one who understands grace. The one who understands grace, if... For example, you haven't read your Bible. You shouldn't feel guilty, but you should feel hungry. Two different things. You shouldn't feel guilty, but you should feel hungry. So it's not a matter of guilt. Because your, your God is with you. It's a conversation of this is my son. If you read what John says, John says, um, my little children of whom, anyways, John moves on to say that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, the righteous. All right? First, um, I think it's First John chapter 2 from verse 1. Okay? So, self-righteousness is something that a lot of people are trying to willpower themselves into because they feel God is angry with them, God is upset with them. Self-righteousness is something that will never lead to God accepting you. Because God can never be pleased by anything you do. To the point where he, it stands side by side with what Jesus has done. It will never happen. So your self-righteousness will never be needed. Can I show you something in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6? Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. 
Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6. It says, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Let's see um, the message version. Let's see the message version. It says, we are all sin infected, sin contaminated. Our best efforts are grease stained rags. We dry up like autumn leaves, sin dried. <laughs> Message is very interesting. We're blown off by the wind. Right? Now, this is the state of the, um, the unrenewed man. But the moment you are in Christ, you are no longer this person. You are no longer sin infected, but you are righteous in Christ Jesus. Do we understand that? Okay. So, your relationship with God is not a matter of obligation, but it's a thing of relationship. You can write that down. My relationship with God is not a matter of obligation, but it's a thing of relationship. It is not an obligation, but it is relationship. When it grows into an obligation, the obligation is stead from a relationship. So, for example, Paul will say, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, that woe is me or that obligation to preach the gospel is staring from the fact that he knows God loves him from the message of the gospel itself because the prompting of the message of the gospel is in the message itself it's easier for you to pass good news than it is for you to pass bad news so the enthusiasm for a good news is in the message so when you understand the message of the gospel you are pushed to wanting to spread the message of the gospel to somebody praise God so it is your relationship with God that is most important. Now let's move to the subject, the main subject or the main focus for today. The rhythm of grace. And the rhythm of grace is the summary of all I'm going to say to you today. Is that you must never respond to the pressures of life. Because life has a call. Life has a voice that will demand you to respond in a certain way will demand you to respond and give your attention to it in a certain kind of way that if you do not, it will look as if you are being irresponsible. But you must understand that there is the rhythm of grace for life. There is the rhythm of grace for what? For life. Okay? Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. It says, use the King James Version, please. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. Now, let's read this next phrase together, everybody. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. So, let's read that in quietness again. One to go. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. Then, sorry, I'm sorry. In quietness, one to go. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you how to respond uh, by the rhythm of grace. What is a rhythm? A rhythm is a pattern. It's a consistent pattern. A pattern. That's a rhythm. So a, a rhythm is like a beat. It's like a metronome from the keyboard that begins to tick. Ta. Okay, now we have a ringtone that is showing us a rhythm there. It's a tick. Your body moves by a rhythm. 
your blood is circulating by a rhythm. Are we together? Your heart is beating by a rhythm. In medicine, they call it the lop-dop. So, lop-dop, lop-dop, lop-dop. And the moment that rhythm is affected, you are just one step away from your cardiovascular doctor. Okay? You breathe in, you take in air, and you breathe out air by a rhythm. So, everything is by a rhythm. Even when God made things in the beginning, he made things by putting a rhythm in place so that he doesn't need to repeat the effort of what he started to create in the first place. So that's why the Bible says seed time and harvest will not cease because once there is a seed, there is a rhythm of harvest and you harvest from what you have sown as a seed and you take a seed from the harvest and you replant it. So God is not coming down from heaven to plant mango afresh again. He's not coming down from heaven to plant um, sugar cane again. But there is a rhythm of seed and harvest. Do you understand what I'm saying? So rhythm, 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 rhythm. Even when you walk, it's called the gate. When you walk, you swing your hands in some way. The swinging of your, your arms, it, it follows a rhythm. And have you ever tried to walk without swinging your arms before? There is a sense of loss of balance. Okay? So, and, and that means that the rhythm of your hands swinging gives you a sense of balance. Even when you blink your eyes and you open your eyes, you are staring, there is a rhythm to when you blink without you knowing. So God uses rhythm to sustain your life. You are sleeping, but you are not conscious of the fact that there is a rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. You are sleeping, but you are not conscious of the fact that there is a rhythm of your heart beating. So rhythm, rhythm, that's how God works. That's how God works. Now the rhythm of grace is such that when you are living or walking in life or you are encountering circumstances, there is a rhythm of grace to every circumstance you're going through. Say amen, somebody. Okay? So it says, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I have great respect for people who... Learn how to be quiet when the noise is loud. Talk to me, somebody. You have the ability to quiet yourself, to steal the voice. Because your strength is not in the, hey, everywhere, where better. No, that's not where your strength is. It's not in the demonstration. It's not in the theatrics. It's not in the display. Your strength is actually in the fact that you are able to be still. You know, they said God was coming. There was the earthquake that passed. And the Bible says God was not in the earthquake. There was a volcano that came. God was not in the volcano. There was what again? There was a wild wind that came. God was not in the wild wind. But the Bible says that in the still small voice, that's where God was. So I have great respect when there is so much of noise around you, but you are able to still yourself and move by the rhythm of grace. Say amen, somebody. So your ability to move by the rhythm of grace is you coming to that consciousness of in him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. Because I've seen a lot of believers who are distracted. The moment the wind is saying, everybody move here. There is a principality who is saying, move here. Even believers are swayed to move in that direction. There is a spirit of depression that hits the atmosphere. And even believers are carried away to be depressed. Sometimes you might steal yourself and say, 
Why is everybody sad? I'm the different one. I must be happy. And then you reach out for joy. Because it's an intentional thing. In, in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Say amen, somebody. In quietness and what? Confidence shall be your strength. Your body is really aching. Your body is uh, misbehaving. You are in the hospital. You are in and out of the hospital. And things are going off. Your body is going off. You don't understand it. Sometimes you begin to hear voices. You begin to hear voices like, am I going to live long? Where is this coming from? Am I going to survive this? Will I be able to do this? Will I be able to? And before you know it, you begin to make plans in short terms. You can't even see 20 years ahead of you. You begin to make plans within just one year. And then the spirit of depression begins to come. You must move with the rhythm of grace. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and move within the rhythm of grace. Okay? So in quietness and confidence, you must be able to steal your soul. You must be able to steal and quiet your thoughts. You must be able to quiet your heart. You must be able to speak to your mind and say, peace be still. Praise God. So that's the rhythm of grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, 15 verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10. This is what Paul says. This is, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was what? Not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was what? Given to me. This is what Paul says. He says that I work more than the other apostles, even though it doesn't look like I'm working, but I'm actually working. Now, a lot of people say, Pastor, when you teach about grace, you indirectly tell the people to be lazy. But look at the, out, look at the outcome of the grace of God working in Paul's life. He says, I labored more abundantly than they all. The rhythm of grace is such that any effort you put, the output is never equal to what you are giving in. That's the rhythm of grace. I have seen a lot of people who work tirelessly. Six o'clock, they are up in the morning. Nine o'clock, they are back in the night. There is no time to rest. They do that cycle for 30 days. They don't even have vacation. They don't have nothing. They are very dedicated about what they do. But if you ask them for 5K, they can't even give you 5K at the end of the month. Because everything that they seem to be working for is somehow going into one thing or the other. And then there is somebody who understands the favor of God, who understands the grace of God, has more than the one who is not working as much. This path is available to you. It is available to you. So when I say that sometimes, as mature as we are, even pastors, we can cross path from the rhythm of grace into self-effort, into, into works, into that place where you are trying to force things. It happens to everybody. But you must be able to catch yourself and remind yourself that I must move within the, uh, by the rhythm of grace, not by the rhythm of my works or my self-efforts. Praise God. So you must learn how to steal yourself. You must learn how to quiet yourself. You must learn how to allow your life be productive through the measures of grace. So Paul here is saying that by his grace, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. 
Can I say this to you? That the grace of God on your life will never be in vain. But what do you have to do? You have to just allow the grace of God work. You have to allow the grace of God find expression in your life. Because you can say all you want. I'm a believer. I'm loved by God. I'm this and I'm that. But the grace of God is not evident in your life. When the Bible says that the hand of God was upon someone, there was always a remarkable difference because of the extra factor of the hand of God upon the person. And that hand of God upon the person was the touch of grace. You don't want to work and all you do, all you have put in in life is what life is giving back to you. You, have, you walk and you live the assisted life. Praise God. So you are called to live freely and you are called to live lightly. There was the rhythm of grace. Praise God somebody. There was a place called Goshen in the Bible. You know where Goshen is? The uh, the children of Israel were in uh, Egypt and they were within the same atmosphere. They were within the same geographical location. But but the Israelites, the, the covenant people with God were experiencing something different from what people who were living with them were experiencing. It's called Goshen. Let me show you Exodus chapter 8 verse 22, the King James Version. See, you can live in Nigeria and people are saying Nigeria is tough, Abuja is tough, but if you are operating by the rhythm of grace, your story is different. And that's what I'm saying to you. Your story is different. While I was working as as a house officer in Benin, um, there was one of my colleagues, everything she did, it seemed as if she wasn't doing it perfectly. And the truth is, I was actually learning from her because she came in before me. But but I just felt like there was just the grace of God that was the added touch to anything I did. Anything, any small thing I did is what, is what feels like should be done. And then she made a statement one day. Why is Dr. Belo's own always the right way to go? Why is Dr. Belo's own always the right way? That's what they called me then, Dr. Belo. I hear there's a movie called Dr. Belo, right? The Nigerian movie, Dr. Belo. And she kept on complaining. Why is Dr. Belo's own the right way to go? Why is it that any, any time he does it, his own is always different? It's the rhythm of grace. God has called you to rest. He has not called you to toil. He has not called you to struggle. Praise God. You can be in that your office, for example, and... You are having different encounters from people who are working with you. You're on the same level, on the same pay, but your own en- encounter is different. Why? Because you are moving by the rhythm of what? Of grace. So let's see this. this is, and in that day I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Okay, he says, no swarms of flies shall be there. Um, um, that's the land of Goshen. That people would know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. Let's see the next verse. Let's see the next verse. Verse 22. Then he says, I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. Hallelujah. There will be, if you're moving by the rhythm of grace, there will be a remarkable, notable difference between you and people who are not of your faith. Praise God. So let your life be ruled and be guided by the rhythm of grace. 
you know, I, I realized something, um, that there's a restlessness about the world. There's a restlessness about the world. Whether you like it or not, the world is restless. The world is agitating for something. And if you do not understand the rhythm of grace, you would follow every agitation of the world. You would fear their fears. You would talk their talk. You would complain their complaints. You would, um, you would murmur their murmurs. It's the, it's the normal agitation of the world. And you cannot talk how the world talks. Because in him you live, in him you move, and in him you have your being. So there is that general restlessness about the world. There is no peace in this world. If I can, we settle this this evening. If you are thinking that this world is going to prefer you peace one day, there is no peace in this world. There is chaos all around us. But you must understand that your peace comes from being in Christ. Your peace comes, your joy comes from being in him and him alone. Say amen, somebody. There's no peace. I've seen people where what they have anchored to be their peace turned out to fail them tomorrow. You can say, Pastor, I've trusted him for 10 years. I've trusted him for 20 years. You can have a relationship with someone for 20 years and that person can betray you. There is no peace in this world. I'm not saying expect or anticipate betrayal. But I'm saying don't put your trust in any human being. Don't put your trust in anything that should be the object of peace apart from Christ. Praise God. So how you respond to life should not be by the agitations of life. I'm trying to teach you how to learn how to quiet your soul. Because in quietness and confidence, that's where your great strength is. Praise the Lord. So where are we? I want to show you the life of Jesus, how that Jesus, I don't think there is any human being who has ever lived that lived a busy life as busy as the life of Jesus. I don't think so. Jesus was the most busy human being that could ever be and would ever be in this world. You know, I see a lot of people say, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, and Uh, You don't know how to put things together and prioritize what should come first and what should come second. And a lot of things get mumbled in the way things begin to suffer because of your schedule. Um, I think I said this last Wednesday. Don't think that your life will become less stressful than where you are now. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. For those of you who are complaining, oh, things are getting too choked up. Things are getting too tight. I don't seem to have a grip of things right now. It's going to get worse. So if you, if you have not learned and mastered the rhythm of grace, you will be that kind of person where as you keep progressing in life, one thing is gaining attention and some other important things begin to suffer. And that's why you have, for example, very successful people um, it's either there is one out of balance kind of thing. They are very successful, the richest man in the world, or, okay, let me not say the richest man because there is a, the richest man in the world. But you become so rich and then you have no family. Because your money has, has rerouted, it has structured your mind to pay so much attention to life and you have to deliver on being consistent as being so wealthy 
that you don't even have a family anymore to cater for. You don't even have a wife who is with you. You don't even have a, a child or children that you pay attention to. So I want you to grow in life. Are, are you still here, somebody? I want you to grow and make progress in life that you become so wealthy that you are fulfilling purpose. Say amen. That you are being effective in the, in the workplace. Say amen. That you are also being effective in the home front. Say amen. Uh, you're also being effective in your personal life and there is nothing that is suffering. And the only way you can combine all those major things together without having one to suffer is when you move by the rhythm of grace. Someone was saying to me, Pastor Phil, things are getting so busy and busy. And I looked at her, I said, you're not even married yet. What happens when you get married? What happens when you have to make money to feed your child? What happens when you have to work and collaborate with your husband? What happens when you have children? What happens when you're pregnant? Praise God. You need to, you need to, re, you know, the Bible speaks of the Hebrew women that they delivered differently. The Hebrew women that even in pregnancy, there is grace on it. Talk to me, somebody. You've never been there. If you've never been there, just say amen because your amen is waiting for you in the future. All right. So even, even in pregnancy, even in, in, in multitasking, I know some of you really know how to multitask. There are some of us who don't really know how to multitask. As we're looking at one thing, every other thing we cannot see. <laughs> you know, once your eyes are focused, and that's it. You, you don't see. But women do multitasking way better than men. Yeah? Cooking, a goosey soup, you know, hold, answering the phone, carrying the baby. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Answering, I will call you back. Turning the stew, um, fixing the bed, calling uh, James, the gate man. It, Women know how to do all of that. We men, we just sit down with laptop. Our eyes are glued, looking onto the laptop, the auto, and the finisher of our income. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, 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 but, but you must come to see that your whole life has to be total. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because you will have a family to cater for. You would have a purpose to fulfill. You would have your body to take care of in the process of all of that. And how are you going to successfully do all of that? The rhythm of grace. I look at the life of Archbishop Benson in Dahosa. He had time for many things. He had time for many things. One of the marks of great men is that they are never out of touch with all the important things about their lives. When it comes to working out, they have time for exercise. They have time for eating right. They have time for prayer. They have time for study. They have time for their family. That's a sign of a great man. That's a sign of a great woman. But how can you combine all of these things together? What? The rhythm of what? Of grace. So there is nobody who is as busy as Jesus. How many years did Jesus have to fulfill life? To fulfill his purpose? He started at the age of what? 30. And he had what? Three and a half years to fulfill his life. So many of us are already over 30. Right? Some of you are not yet 30. Okay? And there is a whole lot that God wants you to fulfill. May you get the spirit of this message. May you key into the grace that comes with living. You know why I'm saying this? I'm saying this because I have seen people trying to achieve one task and it will take five years to do one small thing. And then you see someone who has the understanding of the grace of God 
on his life and he's able to do 20 things in one month. And you're wondering, what is the effectiveness? Where does the effectiveness come from? How does this person understand times and seasons? How does this person understand when it's time for you to move, when it's time to wait, when it's time to meditate, when it's time to progress? How do you you get it? These are the signs of greatness. How do you balance the time to learn? How do you balance the time to express? How do you balance the time of preparation like David who was in the wilderness? And how do you balance the time to kill Goliath? You just know when to do what. It's the rhythm of grace. So there is nobody who has ever been as busy as Jesus. But guess what? Jesus had time for everybody. There was nobody who was on his path that he didn't have time for. In fact, I I want to open a scripture right now and run through a narrative of the one day, um, what's that word? Itinerary. The one day itinerary of Jesus. Can I run that with you right now? You see all that Jesus was able to accomplish in just one day. Some of us, all we are comfortably able to do in one day is to sleep, eat, and you will try to do one thing. Read one verse of the Bible. By the time you've read that one verse of the Bible, it's like like you have accomplished the greatest thing. I read my Bible today. (laughs) Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to show you. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 1. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 1. It says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes started to follow Jesus. Now, just imagine, because you know, early in the morning, Jesus will go up to pray, right? At about um, 5 a.m. in the morning, or let's say, 6 a.m. in the morning, and then he will come down from the mountain after he has prayed. If I, sometimes the Bible will say that he had prayed for a great while before it's day. Yeah? So, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Next verse. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Remember that there is a great multitude, but a leper is talking to him. You see, sometimes you can have a great multitude and because a great multitude is following you, you don't know that there is only one person to pay attention to at that time. So if you understand the rhythm of grace, you know when to have time for what? You know when to stop and pause and have time for this and have time for that and have time for this and have time for that. In the midst of a great multitude, he's talking to just one man, just one leper. Let's move to the next verse because we have the whole chapter to read. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing. Jesus did not say, I don't have time. I don't have time for you. Can't you see all these people? Can't you see my entourage? Can't you see that I have 25,000 followers right now on Instagram? Can't you see right now that my followership has grown? I don't have time for common people. No, Jesus never said that. And, and mind you, when you see followership here, it is like, it's like today's Instagram followership. That kind of thing. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Next verse. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Next verse. Verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Where was Jesus? He entered where? Say that with me. He entered where? Fantastic. And then, what happened? Saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home. 
paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Jesus was a big boy, but he had time to enter somebody's house. I will come and heal him. He was not trying to show you level. You know, sometimes when God elevates you, you forget where you're coming from. You forget that there are, there are people who there are people who will always be on the level where you are coming from. And you must never be too proud to reach down back to where God brought you out from. You must never be too proud. So, see the, see, see, see the itinerary of Jesus just one day. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Next verse. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Next verse. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes unto the other, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Next verse. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed. So it means that there were people who were still following. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you following the story? So people were still following, and he was still talking to this man. So he says, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, one day, one day, that is coming from the mountain. No breathing space. He enters into people. And he, and he sees a man. Leprous. Are you willing? I'm willing. He sees another man coming, coming to meet him. He talks to him. And Jesus is going to one of his mindful of his own. He's going to Peter's, Peter's house. Right? He enters into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Next verse. So he touched her hand. And the fever left her. And she rose and served them. You know, I can preach a message on that. That verse 15. I'm sure you know the message. <laughs> Saved to serve. When God heals you, don't forget, right, the comfort you have received. Comfort others. So the moment she healed that, the Bible says, immediately she stood up and she started to serve. Some of us are too big to serve. And you were not even sick before. May God help you. You know, I said something on Wednesday that it is better for it is better for the seed to fall on the rock and break than for the rock to fall on the seed and it crushes the seed. It's, it's, a, it's a disposition of humility. That is, don't see life to understand God. Just follow the Spirit. Because it's better and it's easier that way. Praise God. So that's why I don't talk down people when they go through stuff. Because you never know where they are. You never know where they are. So when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. All morning Jesus was walking, see his itinerary. Evening had come, many, the Bible says, many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all of them who were sick. He was effective. That is, Jesus knew how to touch everybody. How to touch everybody. Some of us, we have few friends, and all the friends you have are complaining about you. You can do better, but just key into the rhythm of grace. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Next verse, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, 
He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. So this is a digression here. For those theologians who believe that the work of Jesus is not to take sickness. See, I'm here. That he himself what? That he, it might be fulfilled. <laughs> Pastor Victor, you see this? Yeah. So the work of Jesus is just, is just the forgiveness of your sins. Really? Look at what the scripture here says. Saying he himself took. As the prophet said, our infirmities and bore our sickness. Next verse. So I believe in healing by the blood of Jesus. I do. And when Jesus saw great multitude about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now, hear this. Look at this. This is in the evening. You remember the multitude had started with him in the morning. So you, you know when to have time for the multitude. You know when to have time for one man. And then you know when to dismiss the multitude. Talk to me, somebody. You know, when to, you know when to go to work. You know when to put work aside and pray for five minutes. You, you, know when to, you know when to be talking with someone for 24 hours. And you know when to listen to the Holy Spirit. You know when to kabash. You know when to put your feet down on something and say, God, I need this time right now. I'm helpless. If I keep moving with the rhythm of life, I'm going to respond by the pressures and the voices of life, the restlessness of life. But I need your word. right? You know how to steal yourself and hear a voice. Talk to me, somebody. So you know when to do. So he, he, said, he, he gave a command. He says to depart to the other side. So that means he left the multitude. Learn how to leave your WhatsApp sometimes. Learn how to leave your Instagram sometimes. Learn how to leave your... Sometimes, if you look at the life of Jacob, Jacob did not have time for he, even himself. From one woman to another. From, from his, first of all, from his mother. From his mother to Leah. Leah to Rachel. Is it Rachel? Rachel to... There was another one. Build or something like that. Zilpa, all those ones. It was until he came to that point of being alone that there was that encounter. And then he saw angels with the ladder coming and say, God was here and I did not know. It was when God found him alone. Some of us are too busy that you don't know how to, you don't know how to stop. You must learn how to stop. Sometimes your mouth is running, you must learn how to stop your mouth. Talk to me, somebody. Sometimes your emotions are running, you must learn how to stop your emotions. You don't need anybody to say stop. Stop it yourself. So Jesus knew how to do all of these things. Next verse. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know why the Bible here says that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? It's because anywhere Belef is, anywhere the, the Spirit of God is leading Jesus, that's where he goes. Yeah? So let's keep, let's keep, let's keep reading. Another, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then the disciples came to him and woke him and saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. 
So the men marveled, saying, so, so you can see the rhythm of Jesus' life, right? In one day, that he's walking at some point, and some other time he's taking some rest, he's taking a nap, he's, do you understand what I'm saying? So you can see how he's effectively doing everything at the same time. Next verse. Next verse. When he had come to the other side, to the country of them, they met him, how many, two, how many demon possessed? Two. Two men. Coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. Now, Jesus was in Capernaum. He crossed with a boat and there was a tempest. Now, you know, Jesus is all-knowing. He knows what he's going there to do. I'm going to show you something here. Exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Next verse. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do? That's the demon-possessed guys. What have we to do with thee? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Next verse. Now a good way off from them where there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down into the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Because those demon-possessed men were in a cemetery, and nobody could pass through that cemetery because of their demons. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. The whole city. <laughs> and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Jesus was coming from Capernaum. Now let's see. So he got into the boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Uh... Another version says Capernaum. So he went back to Capernaum actually. So I asked myself a question. What did Jesus go all the way across to cross a tempest, to cross a wind that was boisterous, to go and do on the other side, to heal only just two men? Only two men was what drove Jesus there at the other side. And he risked his life on his way just to save two men because the the people in the city will not even let him in. And then the Bible says he crossed back and went back to the other side. The rhythm of grace. The rhythm of grace. You will not follow the pressures of life. You will not follow the rhythm of life. See, there's a way life wants you to respond with agitations. You have to stop it and speak peace. You talk to your mountain. You speak to yourself. You speak to your heart. That's the rhythm of grace. (laughs) Praise God somebody. Hallelujah. And behold, they brought him a paralytic lion. When would Jesus rest? He actually rested already in the boat. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, you know, Jesus was not so under pressure. How many of you will I heal today? Won't you let me rest? He never said so. See, nobody is as busy as Jesus, but hear this. Nobody is as calm and quiet and peaceful as Jesus. He was so restful that he would not psych talk himself into peace, into joy. He knew how to lay hold on peace. He knew how to move by the spirit. He knew how to do effectively everything. May I pray for you that when you are 50, when you are 70, you will have all round total peace. And the kind of peace I'm talking about, it is you are succeeding in your home. You are succeeding in your job. You are succeeding in your vision. You are succeeding in your purpose. Your body is healthy and you have time to live right. 
Because if you look at a lot of great people, they are skewed. Completely skewed. There is some balance that is off. Even though they are great. I'm a great man, but I'm a leper. Does that ring a bell? And that small girl in the Old Testament, the great man, the great man, but there is a, there's always a but. You will not have a but. You will have a but. Have a, have a great ministry and you are succeeding and you are happy. See, you have money and you are happy with the money. So I'm not talking about having one and not having the other. It means that you have to move with the rhythm of grace. If not, your life will not get slimmer than this. Because when God begins to pour more of his agendas in your spirit and the pressures begin to build, you will have no choice but to be under that pressure to fulfill. And see, I don't want you to be under that pressure because the rhythm of grace is available. In him you live, in him you move, and in him you have your being. You may not have things complete yet, but just know that in him you live, in him you move, and in him you have your being. What have I told you? You must get the spirit of the message. Whenever you are under pressure, you must be able to say, Spirit of God, help me. And he takes over your activity. Whenever people are shouting, there is a noise on the outside. There is so much of chaos on the outside. You must be able to say, Peace be still. You must be able to say, Peace. Don't let anybody insult you because you are resting. Don't you care that we perish? Jesus cared. And to show that he cared, he actually rebuked the wind. But it did not mean he would not sleep when he needed to sleep. Don't let anybody insult your peace. Don't let anybody insult your rest. They say you are insensitive. They say you don't care. They will say that, oh, because how can you not be worried when everybody's... Why should I be worried because everybody's worried? Why should you be worried? Why should you be afraid? If the devil is powerful enough, he doesn't need your fear. He needs your fear because it is your fear that will enable him. Yeah, it's your fear, it's your doubt, it's, your, it's those your questions that will enable him. If he's powerful enough, he doesn't need it. He will just go behind you and do it. So you must apply grace in your life. TSP, may you come to that place where it moves from doctrine to experience. Where you are not just having the knowledge of grace because you can recite he died, he was buried, he rose again. And your life is struggle, from struggle to struggle. God forbid God forbid. If all you have is because you worked for it, it's a curse. It's a curse. They were under Goshen. They were not in. They were in Egypt, but in Goshen. While they moved to the wilderness, there was a pillar of cloud, and there was by fire in the night that gave them warmth in the night and gave them some level of 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 fresh breeze in the afternoon, the hot sun. So let your life be ruled by the rhythm of grace. Don't respond to the agitations yeah don't respond to the agitations everybody's jumping you too you are jumping you calm yourself down and speak what is God saying the rhythm of grace lift your hands everybody pray in the Holy Spirit pray in the Holy Spirit this concludes this message thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church Visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.